G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Rise and Shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. We love having people in the studio with us, and our very special guest, he's part of the family this morning, is John Mackay, the creation guy. Good morning. And g'day, g'day, g'day. Ah, so, so good lovely to have you, to have you here. With us again, yes, it's uh, great to have you back. We were just mentioned during the weather that uh, you, know, you love going to Tassie, but unfortunately that's been sort of restricted. It has, uh, but our museum down there we yeah. talked about last time is is doing really well, despite the fact there are no foreign tourists <laughs> yeah, like right. Australians uh, yeah. allowed into uh, Tasmania. Forgive mm. me, Tasmanians, for saying that. But it's great there at Beauty Point. Go and see it. If you're down local, it's really come on well. Mm, that's yeah, great to hear. It. So, yes, yeah, so you've got uh, Tas- uh, Tasmanians who can go to Beauty Point, yeah. <laughs> but no one else can at the moment. But, uh, yes, praying that uh, the borders will open. We had a bit of a... A false start in some respects, didn't we? We thought it was all going to happen. Then yeah, all my yesterday. kids are looking forward to coming yeah. up to Melbourne now. Yeah. Who knows? It's we'll all see. question marks over everything at the moment. So we'll wait oh, and bless. see on that. But uh, what else has been happening with you? I mean, obviously you've been able to stay mm-hmm. busy despite oh, some of those restrictions. Sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, in the last four weeks since I was on last, we've had a few schools uh, coming to Jurassic Park because things have loosened up a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been preaching every weekend, which is a new feeling <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for wow. the last 18 months, yeah. so that's been good. Yesterday we had a new student helper at Jurassic Park, and it's coming on really well, brand new big buildings up there to yeah. protect the fossils. It's just fantastic, and the Lord has really blessed us with rain. Yes, mm, so good. Yeah, I, I saw the photos right. of the dam because you actually – because the dam was almost completely empty, yeah. and so you took advantage to you know, make it a bit bigger. That's right. And it's filled up, which is well, just so good. We, when we talk about climate, we love to remind people that it's God who sends the rain. Ipso facto, it's God who sends the drought, mm-hmm. right? And so when we had a – it's been nearly 18 months of bad drought, right? Mm. So we got a big tractor, hired it, you know, big bulldozers, and dug out the dam to twice the volume. So in one night – it filled up. Praise That's amazing. Just wow, yeah. that is amazing. That's so, so good. Isn't good. It? Yeah. So, Brilliant. So good. Well, we've got uh, John with us for the next couple of hours and taking your calls and mm-hmm. your questions today. So do call through with your questions for John Mackay. 1-800-316-316. And if you're near Facebook, you might want to log on because we're going to do some show and tell via Facebook Live too. That's right, uh, yes. Coming up very shortly. Yep. John's brought um, some little artefacts in with him. Sorted. So, yes, yeah, so we'll do the next few minutes. Uh, after the word for today, which is coming up next, and then we'll have show and tell with John Mackay, the creation guy. Faith, fun and friends. This is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. And John Mackay, the creation guy, is with us as well. And we're live on Facebook this morning. So a big to everyone that's watching on Facebook today. And uh, John, the reason we're on Facebook is because you've got some show and tell, which you always bring in. And it's always fascinating because sometimes you bring big things, sometimes you bring little things. Today it's fairly small, but you've got, I can see some coins on the desk, but some yes, rocks as well. You can also see a pretty picture. We're going to talk more about our new yes. book, Starboy, which yeah, is supposed to be out tomorrow. I hope it really is. <laughs> but you can find out more about that on Vision or in Creation Research. But I bought some things that I dug up. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Here is my first treasure, Robbo. 
Uh, do you want to hold oh, it? Nice, yeah. There you are. Thank you. Do you know what that is? Oh, that's well. That looks like a coin. Well, it looks but like it's a coin. Got a... But I found that in the dirt oh, at wow. my parents' house. It's a victory medal from World War One, oh, 1919. Wow. And you're right. I've never cleaned it. That is right. Sick. I've left it exactly as I found it. Uh, you'll need good eyes if you want to actually see up there and see the dates, etc. But that one's reasonably historic. Yeah. It's interesting. That's hundred and of course, years old. I have this one here. Now, that's an American silver dollar. Um, there you are, that's Robert. Cool. Have you ever had a silver dollar? I don't know. It's I worth a lot so. more than just one dollar at the moment. Here, give it back quick. Is it really? Oh, oh yes. It's going in my pocket then. <laughs> you got to watch these radio hosts. That's so a 1972 it silver is. dollar. That's yes, so cool. and a friend of ours gave us a heap of those as a donation to the ministry. I've kept that one to illustrate exactly what you get from it. Oh, and this one here, this is silver. How are you with that one, Becky? But you see, that one was found on the goldfields. Oh, and right. And it's an 1854 Queen Victoria sixpence. Oh, wow. You remember pennies? It's not just worth sixpence anymore. It's worth hundreds of dollars because it's in beautiful condition. And no, I didn't clean that either because silver <laughs> suffers if you keep cleaning it all the time. And, and look, look at this one. Becky, can you spot that one? It's getting smaller, isn't it? <laughs> now, that's an 1852 American gold dollar. Oh, wow. Ah, interesting. Wow. Worth many hundreds. And it was found on the mining fields because we had an old friend who loved our ministry. Yeah. He'd go out with a metal detector and he said, John, you have this for creation research. Oh, it's wow. wonderful for teaching people. By the way, if you're catting on, we've got a paper cover Worth almost nothing. Yep. We've got a, a coin from World War One. Exciting. We've got a silver dollar worth quite a bit more than one dollar. We've got an 1854 Queen Victoria coin. Wow, fantastic. And we've got a gold dollar worth many hundreds of dollars. Oh, and look at this one. Do you see that? Now, my first piece of gold that I ever found was up at Mount Cotton. Okay. It's an old mine in there. And we dig gold. Becky, do you like gold? Yes. Why? Because it's pretty. Because <laughs> it's pretty, that's right. And besides that, it doesn't dissolve in acid. Do, do you know what the word gold means? No. Because the wise man bought some gold, yeah. right? And gold is an ancient word, just means yellow or glassy. So our word glass, you think of it, gyal, G-H-E-L is the original word. It went to glass in one direction because it's sparkly. Mm. It went to gold in another, and it went to yellow in another. Oh, so when you look at your New Testament, it says the wise men bought gold. The actual word in Greek is chrysos, as in chrysanthemum, as in yellow. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's interesting. All these words are related, and God made the original gold. We only borrowed some for the coins. His gold is worth far more, and his gold is wonderful, and it's a reminder of just how much Jesus was worth when he came for us. Far more for gold mm. because he bought us eternal life, and yeah. that's unpriceable. So true. That is so good. Well, check that out on Facebook. There's uh, quite a few people watching. Abigail, good morning, and Helene have said uh, hello as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, check it out. And uh, it's just fascinating to see, I mean, just that the history in those uh, yeah, few coins yep. and then that uh, beautiful little piece of gold there. So that was just local, Mount Cotton that you oh, found. Oh, no, that, not that one. My first little bit was oh, so okay. tiny, only a little boy with good eyes could see it. <laughs> okay. Right? So, yeah, so wow. it's still gold up there, but not much. That's amazing. So good. Well, John Mackay is with us this morning. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question for John Mackay, maybe about... Uh, geology. He's a geologist by trade, but he knows a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So uh, jump on board and ask your questions of John Mackay this morning 
1-800-316-316 is the number to call. Or you can just comment on that video that's uh, happening at the moment on Facebook. Let us know your questions for John Mackay, the Creation Guy. Mornings are better with Robbo and Becky. This is Rise and Shine. Rise and Shine. On Vision. And John Mackay, the Creation Guy, is in the studio with us. And I do love it. And I am very excited because if you go to Facebook, uh, you can see the cover of John's new book. We do indeed. In fact, you know how Christmas is coming? Mm-hmm. Well, this is the creator who came for Christmas because I was driving down the highway one day and all of a sudden it hit me. I'm sure it was a thought from the Lord. Who else saw the star? Was it just the three wise men yeah. on the Christmas card? Mm. And then I thought, okay, now what if we have a Christmas story about stars and astronomy and all that? And as the story built up, this little boy who grew into a teenager, he grew up on a farm where you planted your crops according to the stars. It's foreign over here, but that's what we always used to do, by the farmer's almanac. Okay. And so he had to count stars to know when this star was going, when to plant the oats, when to plant the weed, etc. And he grew up and then he noticed... There's one more star, but nobody will believe him. So him and his sister set out to prove there's a new star, and some (laughs) of the astronomy is fantastic, and then they ask, what does it mean? We need some wise men to tell us. And the story goes from there, and guess who they meet? Oh, you'll have to read the book. (laughs) But it's so exciting. It's got some fantastic characters. It's got lots of fun, including some animals that are unusual for Jews to own. Uh, in Israel, in, mm. in just in the birth of Christ, so oh, wow. fantastic story Brilliant. now available. Yeah, it Excellent. does look very cool, and it and sort of the sort of graphic novel form, sort of cartoon form, is really great. You know, I've got a little mm. one sees a whole thing of paid of words and sort of goes, oh, but this is great pictures, words, and a yeah. great story with you know obviously yeah. great lessons in it. So as a mum, I'm pretty excited. Absolutely. Well, you can get that uh, online. So this is uh, about it's actually at the printers now, isn't it's it? So it'll be out this week. Out Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. So you can get it from uh, creationresearch.net. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we'll have it because we've got You'll most of your it. stuff yeah. in the store as well. Yes. So that'll yeah. be coming soon. So watch this space for Starboy, the uh, great uh, story of Itzak that uh, John's written. So uh, check it out uh, online, creationresearch.net. Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is with us, and you can ask him uh, a question. If you've got a question for John, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. And giving us a call this morning. What's your question for John? Uh, my question is... Um um, when the flood um, was, you know, when Noah's time, mm-hmm. are there any animals that were alive? And if they are, are they are they still alive today um, in in this era? Okay, just to give you a couple of clues here, God created creatures back in Genesis one and two. We're reminded quite a few times, yeah. each according to their own kind. Then oh. man's sin came in chapter three. Then we're reminded again in the New Testament, sin had affected the whole of creation. So by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, you'll find that it says all flesh had become violent, e.g. man and the animals. Therefore the flood is sent as a judgment on man and the animals. So God sets out to rescue not only the family of God that is chosen, but to rescue animals as well. And he sends two of each kind and seven of some kind. Now, these are the same kind he created back in Genesis. Okay, now, the creatures that got on the boat all got off except for one of each of the clean kind that was sacrificed. That was effectively Mm -hmm. the biggest blood sacrifice in history outside of the shedding of Jesus' blood. Okay, so you find that 
The animals got off, three pairs of clean ones, one pair of unclean ones. Unclean ones, by the way, are scavengers and all of those creatures that had gone downhill from God's original creation. And you'll find, therefore, all the creatures in the world today are descended from those that got off the ark, big or little, skinny or fat. Uh, They are all the descendants of uh, the animals on the ark, except for the ones like the dodo bird. We've killed them off. The big flying lizards, we've killed them off, right? So some creatures have become extinct. In fact, basically probably up to 90% of all the species that have ever existed uh, are dead and gone, sadly. The world is on the way downhill. There's not the slightest evidence anything is evolving at all. Hence, we all need to be on the ark of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So true. A great uh, question, Ian, and uh, thanks, thanks so much for the call. Okay, bye. God bless. Let us know your questions for John Mackay, the Creation Guy. You can call through 1-800-316-316. Connecting faith to life. Rise and shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. And if you've got a question for John Mackay, the Creation Guy, who's our guest this morning, then you can get in touch. 1-800-316-316 is the number. Or uh, you can send your message via Facebook, which Carolyn did. She says, good morning, uh, Carolyn from Alumba, hope I pronounced that, in Queensland. And she's got a question for you this morning, John. She good. says, were the kangaroos and Australian native animals originally on Noah's Ark too? That's a very good question and one I particularly get from sceptics. I'm not saying you are, but yeah. they like to throw that out as if we uh, Christians don't know anything at all and God's Word doesn't explain everything. Okay, now when you think about Aussie animals, we're used to kangaroos and cuddlies, koalas, mm. you know, all of those things that are supposed to be drop bears and things like that. <laughs> and if you want the full answer to this, remember we have a Q&A site, so go to creationresearch.net, click on Q&A, insert kangaroos or insert Australian animals. There's a long answer there on what, who lives here, how did they get here, etc. A couple of bits of experience. Uh, the platypus, you know, the mm. one that shows how much fun God has in making <laughs> yeah, things that's right. build I d- like a duck. I didn't know it was poisonous too. <laughs> uh, that's only the boys. Oh, like, oh, see, it's never the girls. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. Just saying. <laughs> no, no, it's only the girl flies that put the bite uh, on you. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so when we look at the platypus, uh, in Australia today, it's a native, right? We do find fossil ones in North Queensland at Riversley, places like that. But we also find fossil ones in South America, bigger Right, and the fossil ones had teeth. The living ones lose their teeth basically before they are, are, are mature. So you'll find that our present day platypus is smaller and it's degenerate by comparison. Okay, so they used to live elsewhere, now they only live here. Okay. Uh, I mean, fossil digging in, in Canada. And you'll find in the rocks there with the dinosaurs, there are possums. There are marsupials. Wow. I was in the basement of the museum in Quebec, the big fancy big one, right? And as I went down the stairs, I saw a little box, a little alcove, and I went over there and I thought, I recognize those teeth. They're teeth of our Australian animals. And there was a little block that said, found in, in, uh, in Mon- not Montana, in uh, the state above that, Saskatchewan, right? Yeah. And I, I, I said, that's Australian. And it was, right? So we have Australian animals in the rocks elsewhere. We only have, living, have them living here. Now, let's, let's sit down and think about this. On Noah's Ark, you have two of every kind. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think of two kangaroos or seven kangaroos because they were clean. They only ate the plants, right? One gets sacrificed. That leaves three, three pairs, right? Now, three pairs of animals can't go in every direction. 
So they are going to choose which direction they go. So from there on, animals cannot dwell everywhere. So the little road runner, he ends up in the bottom of the Grand Canyon and nowhere else. And no one ever, ever says, how come there are only road runners in the bottom of the Grand Canyon? Well, that's the only place they're left. In the same case in Australia, there uh, used to yeah. be platypus in South America, there used to be marsupials in Canada. Now Australia is basically the only place they are left. It's a process of elimination. Mm. To explain it one step further, when you look at, say, the um, penguins down in, in the Antarctic and all the climate yep. change stuff, oh, the poor penguins have got, no, they're moving further south. Uh, that's a report that came out recently. Now, why did they live there in the first place? Answer, they've got no defence against anybody hunting them, so they go to where there's nobody else, and they gradually die out elsewhere. There are penguins right up in the equator, but basically it's easier for them to live where nobody else bothers to go. Same mm. as the white polar bears. Why do white polar bears live in the snow? Because you can see them as easy as one thing if they're standing on the black sand. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> other creatures can beat up polar bears and eat them with no trouble whatsoever. So therefore you'll find that hunters um, you know, don't go too often to the Arctic because it's too cold for them. But the polar bears are well suited, but they are degenerate. If we lose the polar bears, we can get them back any time because they're a degenerate loss of colour for a black bear. Mm, oh, wow. Love it. That's fascinating. Well, so, thank you, Carolyn, yeah. for your question. It's a, a great, great question, question and a wonderful answer from John Mackay. You can ask yours as well. You can do it on Facebook like Carolyn's. Don't check out the uh, live um, uh, show and tell we did a little while ago uh, with John on Facebook. Or give us a call, 1-800-316-316 with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. They're part of your morning routine. It's Rise and Shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, joins us in the studio this morning. If you've got a question, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. Penny's got a question this morning. What's your question for John Mackay? I've got a Genesis question as well. Yeah. Yeah. What I want to ask is when um, God used the the lamb to uh, give the skins to Adam and Eve to wear and he sacrificed that lamb. Why did he choose a lamb and why did the lamb have to be sacrificed? Okay, go back one step further. When God made Adam, you see, we're, we're used to society. We call somebody Billy or Fred or Christine and we give no thought to what the name means whatsoever. When you look at Adam's name, A-D-A-M, uh, the D-M is actually Hebrew for blood. So Adam was the man of blood, and God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. Okay, yeah. then God tells him, if you sin, you will die. If you eat of this fruit of the tree, you will surely die. Now, you'll find that God has the right to make the rules because he's the rule maker. He's the one who owns the universe. He owns man. He owns everything. But Adam and Eve sadly sinned. Eve gave the fruit to Adam. Adam willfully chose. He didn't get tricked like Eve did. So Adam becomes the man of sin. Okay, so going one step further, God can either wipe him off the face of the planet or he can find some way to redeem him, to pay for his Blood. You see, the scripture says the life is in the blood. So if you sin, you will lose your life. The wages of sin is death. If you lose your life, you need new blood, a substitute, right? So either you get new blood yourself or somebody else's blood is shed on your behalf. So the symbolism there is that the lamb, not only was it a lamb, it was male, right? The creature that was sacrificed later on, you find 
the Israelites are told to take a male sheep in the first year of its life without blemish, because Adam was made without blemish. One for one, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and later on only one man, the Lamb of God, becomes the substitute. Only that can save us forever from our sin. Mm. Lambs had to be done every year. It must have been a bloody religion every time they got to killing off the thousands and thousands of sheep and cows to spread. I'm so glad Jesus came, and all of that's finished. So So make sure you trust in Jesus at this Christmas time especially, because he's the one who paid the price of the best gift you can ever have. Mm, That's so good. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call, Penny. Thank Appreciate John. it. Thank you very much for that answer. Hey, guys. Take care. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Uh, so good to hear from you, Penny. You can call through as well with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. 1-800-316-316 is the number to call. We've got news coming up in a couple of minutes' time, but John's here for another hour yet, so call through with your questions. one 800 316-316. Getting your day off to a great start with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration, and so much more. Rise and shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, joins us in the studio this morning. If you've got a question, you know the number to call, 1-800-316-316. Cindy's called that number with a question. What's your question for John Mackay? Being a, a gardener and being the time of year that I want to um, grow tomatoes and things to dry, how did they do uh, the fruit drying and the vegetable drying on a large scale because I want to make a rack that's a metre by two metres, mm. um, keep the pests off, keep the birds from eating it, the bugs from eating it, the or the mould, and be um, hygienic so you can clean it and it lasts forever mm-hmm. because I've had a look on the computer and the only thing that's um, food grade safe because you can't use galv, you get mm-hmm. poisoned, it soaks into the food, um, is stainless steel and I can't buy it. Um, And then the second option is um, polypropylene plastic, which is supposed to be food grade safe. And I can't Mm -hmm. get that either because all the plastics now are recycled or mashed together stuff. Mm. Okay. Can I ask you where you live? Um, Vanilla. Vanilla. Okay. You'll probably find that at this time of year, we're getting just a little late to actually grow the tomatoes and dry them. You will succeed a bit, like my tomato vines are just about at the end of their their crop. One of my lovely Roma tomatoes had about 400 tomatoes on just one vine. Oh, wow. So wow. They, they, they are a good variety to dry out because they're so thick-skinned and so impervious to sort of many, many insects biting them and things like that. But traditionally, all that was done was simply laying them out on a wooden rack uh, with holes in it to let the air and the water escape, etc., out in the sun. So sun-dried ones means exactly that, sun-dried tomatoes. Now, if you want the shortcut, guaranteed germ-free, you can buy yourself a little drying machine. Now, there are yeah, really... I've got one. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but I, I, I want to do things on a larger scale because that takes <laughs> hours, hours and hours and days and days. And Well, I'm afraid you'll um, find that the other way takes hours and hours and days and days, but you don't play for the sunlight. Um, so, yes, <laughs> so that's, that's the big difference. There's no difference in the end result, but there is a big difference in how much it will cost you. So, basically, um, if you go to places where they dry on a big scale... They'll simply lay it out on concrete, rake it every day, turn it over, all those sort of things if it's hard, to treat it a bit more carefully if it's soft, but they'll lay it out in the sunshine on clean concrete, clean rock, clean sand, you name it. Uh, the bigger the scale, the more they can put out. There is n- uh, uh, Sunlight is, by the way, a really good steriliser. 
so they've never had to bother with um, sort of washing the fruit or things like that after they've done. The sun does all of that. So if you look at your tomato plants, you will notice some naturally sun-dried tomatoes on the plants, right? They just sit there and they shrivel up as the water dries out. Now, that's where we got the idea from in the first place. They sun-dry naturally, right? So, and all, all you need to do from then is, is increase the scale. So do an experiment with a little wooden tray. That'll work as well. It's uh, not as effective as some of the other ones you mentioned, which are artificial, but in reality, that's all you need to do. It's gardening with John this morning, so <laughs> great call through. Cindy, thanks for your question. If you've got a question for John Mackay, you can call through as well, 1-800-316-316. Rise and shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. And John Mackay, the creation guy, joins us in the studio as well. Taking a calls and questions for John Mackay today on 1-800-316-316. Philip's given us a call. What's your question for John Phillip? I often hear you on Vision Radio and I find it intriguing. And um, I'm just interested, you know, we have all this uh, climate change stuff that's just flooded in the media um, and they keep telling us that the climate, the, the temperatures have risen. Now, you know, you could take, you've got weather stations, right, all yeah. over Australia, all over yeah. the world. Uh, is the proof, if, you know, I know there's variation and there's been variation since we've been, you know, the white man's been in Australia and we've had droughts and floods and, and so on. But, you know, is there any proof, have they got proof, these client, so-called climate climate scientists that this weather station, the temperature has statistically risen over the last 100 years. I mean, that's that's what I'm sort of wondering. I mean, okay. is there any proof? I'll give you a rule that most people are not aware of. You are only allowed to use in your argument about climate change the official weather station data. What's an official weather station data? One that was basically set up by the government. No other data is acceptable. So when you look at the first fleet, when you look at the second fleet, when you look at the people who camped on the beaches outside of Melbourne and recorded the temperature with their ship's thermometers, which were brilliant, right, and wrote it down so you can read it, uh, so you can still read today. When you look at old Kidman, the cattle king, and the records he kept, it is not allowed to be used. That's how it's done. Right. So not till the 1920s and 30s are you allowed to use. And here's what you then find next. We have hundreds of years of data from the British Admiralty. Why? Because England ruled the world by ships. So the climate yep. was always picked up at the harbours, right? That's where they needed to know. Yep. The winds, all of those things. But in World War One, it started to change. By World War Two, the climate is picked up at the airports, because the yep. planes are flying in and out. Now you have a thermometer at the airport and you have jet exhaust and, man, does that ruin everything, <laughs> right? So you've got to realise there are fudge factors in here. If you mm, if you don't realise that, you will mess up the whole lot. So go by history. So if you visit Iceland, if you look at our new uh, DVDs, uh, MP4 streaming, whatever, called uh, uh, Climate Change in Iceland and, and, and uh, mm. Arctic Ice and Fire, you will find that when the Vikings settled there, they settled as Christians. That's why they called it Isis land, which we pronounce Iceland, mm-hmm. right? Jesus land. The churches had no heating. They didn't need it. It really was non-icy. It was Jesus' place. It was a great place to live. Then they abandoned mm-hmm. it in the 1400s when the ice came. So you'll find it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with human beings at all mm-hmm. uh, on any significant scale whatsoever. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for the call, oh, Philip. Great to uh, hear yeah. from you. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating conversation, isn't it? I mean, it's one that... You could talk about for hours, but I think you're, you're making yeah. some very good mm. points there. So thanks for the well, call. It's like a religion. It's oh, like it is. Religion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Climate change. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Good Thank on you, mate. You Have right. a good one.
Thanks. Yeah, worth checking out that uh, you mentioned that one resource, the uh, fire and ice mm-hmm. uh, resource on your website. But there's heaps of others, aren't there? Uh, there on sure your creationresearch.net. Uh, we're, we're bringing out a new one shortly called Global Warning. Oh, okay. Um, oh, because okay. you can look at the forces that are desirous of one world control are using so many things at the moment to try and get us all into the one shoot directed yes. in one direction. And you and I are being trained to forget God mm-hmm. in everything, whether it's money, finance, health or, or yeah. uh, wealth or, or just weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we good we must keep him in charge. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. All right, check, keep an eye out for that one. Global warning. I like the uh, the little play on words there. Uh, it's all available. Creationresearch.net, of course, is where you can find that. And, of course, the, the Q&A, which is a free resource that uh, people can access anytime. Starting your day the right way. This is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, has joined us in the studio this morning, which we always love. We get so many questions. Mm. Everyone always leaves it to the last minute. <laughs> and then he's like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. It's always the way. But yeah. uh, now we've got uh, one last we'll squeeze in before John has to go. Uh, Julianne's given us a call with a question. What's your question for John? Yeah, look, I live near a rainforest and there's lots of leaf litter on the ground. And I'm often wondering before the fall where there was no death, how was that situation? Like, you know, that's obviously fairly important for that rainforest environment to have the leaf litter and the humus and and the fungi growing in it and that sort of thing. So I just wondered, yeah, what was that like originally? Okay, you will find that uh, in our rainforest today, uh, if you clear the rainforest and start to grow other things, the soil is not actually usually very fertile. It relies totally on the recycling of the litter that comes down from the trees, which depends on the rainfall. So it's a very self-contained system, but not one that was designed for permanent usage by man or anything like that. Now, if you go back to before Noah's flood, rainforests, as far as I can see, are a post-flood situation where we've got an imbalance of water in one place, drought in another, etc. So if you go back before the flood, there was no rain. Right, Genesis chapter uh, 2, yeah. there was no rain, so hence no rainforest. There was a mist that rose up and watered the earth mm. daily. So there could have mm. been mist forests, right? But the point you're making is a very good one. Any system that survived becomes a closed-in circuit of things that are needed. Without any one of them, the things will die out. Illustration, the farmers cleared Tasmania. I know this because our our rep down there was a chief forester, right, in charge of the forestry. And he says, we have an awful trouble trying to plant the gum trees back. Right, any of the forests, the open forests, the tight forests, the rainforests, etc. And he said the reason is simple: the the gum tree does not come by itself. You just can't plant a gums a nut in the ground and expect it to grow really well. What we discover is the gum tree can only extract food from the ground if there's certain fungus there. They can only work if there's certain bacteria. That can only work mm. if the gum tree is already producing litter for all of these things to eat. Mm. It's sending sugars and all of that. So it starts out as a complicated system. And then it degenerates, degenerates, degenerates. So I said, well, listen, we're having trouble here at Jurassic Ark. By the way, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Our museum is open. Uh, go to creationresearch.net. <laughs> have a look at Jurassic Ark. Phone up Daryl and book yourself a day to come up there. It's a great opportunity. But we were having trouble planting a gum tree forest. So I got him up and I said, what's our problem? 
And he said, if you want the gum trees to grow, you'll not only have to bring the gum tree in, you'll have to bring the dirt with the bacteria and the fungus and the litter already in it. You have to start it from the beginning. It can't evolve step by step. So what we're looking at with rainforest is a degenerate remnant one that will still work on a minimal amount, but the minute you remove one of those factors, sorry, you can't even plant the gum trees back. Mm. Right? So that's how we need to look at many of these areas. If you come with me to Central Australia, you'll find there are remnant lagoons and billabongs which still have rainforest around them, or forest, much much better forest than uh, is in the, in the desert out there. And these are remnant from a time when Australia, after the flood, was wet all the way across, and then it's dried out, died out, dried out, died out, and only around the big billabongs do you still find a remnant of that. Mm. But it's an indication. These are plants that do not get spread by birds or wind, and they are a remnant forest from a time when Australia was much, much better. Well, thank you so much for your call. That's a great question, and, uh, yeah, interesting to hear that uh, that response. So thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Good on you, Julianne, and uh, everyone else that's called through this morning. It's been absolutely mm, wonderful uh, hearing great morning. all the questions coming through for John. And uh, time for us to go, uh, though, John. Thanks so much again, and look, we probably won't have you in again before Christmas, so, so Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you and the family. And you guys as well. Be blessed in mm, the new year yeah. and reach out for Jesus, who is the best gift that you can yes, have. So yes. true. Yes. Second best gift, of course, would be the Star Boy. Yeah, well, oh, yes, yes, it's sort of <laughs> our, our teen to adult com- yeah. comic, right? And then even the young ones love it. And remember the theme it's to do with a Christmas star and a little boy who grows into a teenage boy who counts stars. And then, I mean, did you know the Romans had dogs in Israel? But the no. di- they used to like hot dog, they ate them, right? Oh, really? But the Jews wouldn't touch them. But this family has a dog. <laughs> And it goes all the way back to Exodus. Okay. There's wow. some fascinating mysteries. And, and how many degrees are there in a circle? 360. Why? You know, the interesting thing is when you use your fingers and you look out along the horizon, the angle between your edge of the fingers, there's 360 fingers on the horizon. Oh, wow. It's true. Try it sometime. <laughs> wow. Right? That's yeah, amazing. It's amazing. Oh, it really wow. is. And that part of the story, all those sort of things as to how they found the house where the Mary and Joseph would have been yeah. because they didn't get a street address from... What, did they not have GPS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so there's all sorts that of amazing stuff. Yeah. That's yeah, so it's cool. Very, if we do, you know, four gifts, something to read, something they need, something to play. So if you're looking for a, something to read for the yes. kids this Christmas, teens yep. and that, uh, then make sure you check it out. Mm. It looks amazing. Yes, well, it's called Starboy and it is available... Well, it'll be available this week. Yeah. It's yeah. actually at the printer now, but uh, available at creationresearch.net and it will be on our Vision Store yeah. website once it's out as well. So keep an eye out for that. Certainly a great gift to get in uh, for Christmas for the young ones. Uh, John, thanks again for coming in. It's always a pleasure and we look forward to having you back in the new year. Good on you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 